0: This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Your Money with me, Mary Holm. Thanks for taking just a few minutes to listen in while Jesse Mulligan and I talk through some useful ideas about how to make your money work better for you. Just remember, though, this is guidance. Final decisions are up to you. Over to
1: Jesse. Let's go to personal finance expert, Mary Holm, who is in the building. Hello. Hello, Jesse. What a great topic this week.
0: Yeah. Yeah, look, it's it's interesting. People get into investments without sometimes giving much thought to getting back out of them again. I mean, I think they... Picture that they're, you know, 1,000 is going to turn into 100,000 or mm. whatever they're dreaming of, but they don't sometimes give much thought as to how they can get it out again. And in, with some investments, it's perfectly easy, and with others, it's very difficult.
1: I'm um, um, immediately um, thinking of like shared family batches oh, (laughs) or family businesses.
0: Yeah, Yeah, no, those are really good examples of of extremely difficult stuff. And and you see, I mean, I know of couples who have run a business and then they try to separate to divorce and, you know, they kind of can't in some ways because otherwise the whole business would would fall down. Um, I mean, so they just don't live together or whatever. But we're not really so much talking about those ones today but um, what got me thinking about this whole thing actually was four weeks ago, the second, my second to last session, mm. you were actually away and Wallace Chapman was running it mm. and I was talking about uh, answering a, a listener's question about the stock market and yeah. he was saying then basically what is the point of the stock market or share market and um, in in that a company, they issue shares initially in an initial public offering, and get and people buy those shares, mm. and the company gets the money. But then after that, you go onto the stock market and sell your shares to me, yeah, and I sell them to you. What does and, the company get out yeah, of it? Yeah, what does the company get out of it? And I gave what I thought was a, a reasonable answer to to that. I said. Um, Talked about shareholders being the owners, the actual owners of the company, and that the executive's job is to increase the value of the shares for the owners, i.e., the shareholders. That's a great answer, yeah. I wouldn't have got
1: there.
0: But then uh, a listener sent in a really good email that you might like to read out that I thought answered the question much better than I did. And it gets to the point about about getting out of investments.
1: Here it comes. Once a company has sold shares in an IPO, they have... Actually,
0: ha- sorry, that... Not that one. Sorry, Jesse, That was... I kind of just summarised that. that. Oh, was, yeah, okay. That was what the guy said four weeks yes, ago. So okay. we're going down... So to, here's yes. that one. Uh,
1: Mary yeah. Holmes' response to the first question was confusing, to say the least. That's a bit unnecessary.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, oh, but mean, yeah, but...
1: Okay. You always get a bit of that. Yeah. Uh, one part of the question was, in, in effect, what's in it for the company? when its shares are sold by one person and bought by another? And the answer is simple. In the short term, nothing. In fact, maintaining an ever-changing share register is an expense the company could do without. But the longer-term view is different. Investors' needs continually change. They need to be able to buy shares when they have funds to invest and sell them when they need the funds for some other purpose. These needs are enabled by an active share market. If there were no share market, in other words, if investors were unable to pass shares on to someone else when the need arose, they wouldn't buy shares from an issuing company in the first place. And needless to say, if no one would buy its shares, a company wouldn't be able to raise funds. In short, while the mass of daily share transactions between individual investors is of no immediate benefit to a company, it's the existence of the market in which these transactions take place that enables the company to raise funds when required. I like that from Brian Smith.
0: Yes, yeah, it's a it's a very good letter, and he, you know, he he thought thought it through in a different way from the way I did, and a better way. It, in other words, the share market's there because people would be very reluctant to buy shares in the first place when the company first issues them, mm-hmm. if there wasn't a way for them to get out right when when they wanted to, and so publicly listed shares in other words shares that are listed on the stock exchange are pretty easy to get out of mm. um, not you know some of them some of the smaller ones you can't necessarily sell today you might find it takes a few days before this buyer comes in and wants them or wants them at a price you're willing to accept yeah. but it's only a matter of days before people can sell publicly listed shares but then you get on to um, shares that are not listed on the stock exchange, and we've got another, n- another email from another listener about that. It's quite interesting.
1: My current problem, this listener says, is being able to sell my $60,000-odd investment in shares that I own and pledge me. Despite numerous emails to various people in the company, no one's really interested in managing these shareholder concerns or issues. My 2,100 shares would be worth according to their last lot of fundraising by sale of more Pledge Me shares, considerably over $200,000. And I'm wanting to sell mine at half that value. Any suggestions as to the company's obligations to provide a marketplace for sale and purchase of its shares would be most welcome, Gina. And this would apply, I think, to anyone who'd seen one of those crowdfunding company share offers and thought, oh, I like this company. I'll put a bit of money into that. They're going to grow. And then you don't really think of, like, even if it does grow, how you would get your money back. Get your money back, Mm. yes. Just
0: to make it clear to people, Pledge Me is a crowdfunding company, but these aren't... This is not investing in one of the crowds that wants to be funded. Mm. It's investing in PledgeMe itself. It's a bit confusing, isn't it? It's yeah, a bit meta. Well, it could be. Yes, it could be a bit confusing. Yeah. Um, but so, and, and, and PledgeMe is not at this point listed on the stock exchange. And yeah. so it's not as easy to get out of. So I forwarded Gina's email to PledgeMe to get their response on it. And, and they came back with a big long answer which I'd summarise they immediately knew who we were talking about even though I didn't give them her name um, because they said yes we've been we've had this one person trying to sell she's and pointed out that she is actually she's got a big holding in the company she owns 4.4% of the whole company so she's much she didn't just she's not not just a little dabbler in there and when she says her shares would be worth considerably over two hundred thousand they're agreeing yes quite possibly quite a lot more than that mm. if she can find a buyer um, but they say I said to them well you know did you tell people when they were going in and buying these shares that they might not be that easy to sell again and they said they've had three um, issued three lots of shares each each at a slightly well quite a lot and bigger price each time actually, mm. as the company's done well. They issued a risk warning each time, which included this language, you may lose your entire investment and must be in a position to bear this risk without undue hardship. Yeah. Um which of course hasn't happened at this point. It's gone the opposite way. It's it's done very well. Um and, and they say that this is this offer is not um, a sort of widespread offer and there aren't as many legal protections as there are for some investments um, they go on to say that the the board doesn't have a predetermined view on how or if we will exit, which I assume means the members of the board, how they'll exit or, or sell their mm-hmm. shares um, in that first offer it, I don't know that they spelled it out clearly enough but in the second one which I gather Gina was also involved in. Um, they had an extra statement, which was, "As we don't have a secondary market, now let me just stop here and say, a secondary market is a primary market is when a company issues the shares and people buy them. Yep. The secondary market is when um, one the, the people who buy the shares sell it to other people, like a stock. The mm. stock market is a secondary market, or any other market where it's not the initial." company selling yes. or the initial investment yeah. selling, it's it's passing on from A to B out there in the, in the, amongst the public. So Pledge Me says, as we don't have a secondary market, your shares will not be liquid. That means not easily sold. If shareholders want to buy or sell shares, you can register your interest with us and we can manage the buying and selling of shares if there's an interest. And then they've gone on to say that they have tried to find people to buy Gina's shares... Um, and they've in fact found a couple of people who are interested and forwarded that information to her and said to her, look, you might want to sell in smaller lots rather than selling the whole yeah. lot in one block because it's a big block. People aren't necessarily going to wandering, want to come up with... Wandering around a turn of grand in That's right, yeah. exactly, yes. So, um, so that, that's really basically their answer. I mean, I think they probably should have been a bit clearer in their very first offering. It sounds, I think, as though in the very first offer they weren't quite so clear as they were in the second one, and she took part in both. Um, she might not have read the thing quite so closely the second time around. Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, look, there she goes. She she has got a way of getting out. Um, she can keep working with the people at Pledge Me, and they will keep on... Those, they apparently are telling other shareholders, hey, if you want to buy more shares... We've got a seller available, um, and, and they might, you know, after this broadcast, maybe other people listening will think, God, I'd, I'd like to go and buy some of those. Um, and they could probably just ring up, pleach me, and say, is it possible for you to get me in yeah. touch with Gina? Yeah. Um, wh- wh- which could happen. Particularly
1: if she's only asking half the market value. Yes, it's yes. It'd pretty, be but... pretty hard to work out what the market value was. Yeah.
0: Oh Yes, look, I'm not sure how they, no. how they do that. And I do just want to quickly say that she's done very well with her investment, but this is high-risk stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, if anyone who's listening who thinks, I want to get on that bandwagon, yeah. you could end up with very little. Mary um, is,
1: Mary is as you know <laughs> if you're a regular listener, she's keen on shares, but she always says don't get into shares unless you either have enough money to get a diverse range of different shares, different industries, different companies, or you're going to buy one of these index funds units where for $1 you get a good mix of everything. Am I summarising yep, your, your position? And right
0: absolutely, there. and you must have 10-year horizon, you, you know, I understand that Jean has um, bought the you know bought the shares and wants out just a few years later, and that's a short term for for a shareholding. Yeah. These sort of um, small growing companies really want people to be committed for. Ten or 20 years really is, is the ideal way of doing it for, for both sides. Ideally for um, Gina,
1: some multinational would swoop in and buy yeah, the whole lot, right?
0: That's right. Yeah. And, and you know, who knows who knows what might happen out there. But So that's shares. Um, yes. And now
1: let's go to some other sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Other segments? Sectors? Yes,
0: yes. Other types of investments.
1: John says um, I have an investment in a private consortium that's Oh, so we're going to discuss these other ones first, aren't we? Well, we
0: could do John now if you like. Okay. Yeah.
1: I've got an Investment in a private consortium that owns a property in Christchurch for lease. Unfortunately, the original tenants for whom the property was constructed went bankrupt, and since then, the investment has failed to provide any return. The shareholders were asked to provide additional capital over a year ago to prevent the bankers who have a loan to the company from forcing a sale. Um, this is over a year ago and still no return. I'd like to withdraw my capital from this disastrous investment and would value Mary's advice.
0: Oh, um, You know, I don't know. I mean, a few of the people that have written, and I I think they were kind of hoping I would say, hey, here's a fairy godmother who's going to get you out of trouble, and and that's not necessarily true. But what John's talking about is some kind of a property syndicate or a, a property investment where... Often it's just the single property, a commercial property, and quite a few different people put money in and buy the property together. A couple of notable points about what he says in his letter the property was built for a particular tenant, and that tenant, you know, it could have been a retail shop or a factory or who mm. knows what, has gone bankrupt. And you want to be really wary of getting into buying a share in a property that's built for one particular tenant because they, you know, if they, if they don't do well, sometimes... Oh, no. I just
1: imagine uh, I immediately yeah. thought of those pizza huts, those old pizza huts, you know, with yes, the roof shaped. Yes, <laughs> Can't yes, Can't be used for anything else. Yeah,
0: and, and, the, and the sort of dead petrol stations you yeah, see around the country that right. they look very much like dead petrol mm-hmm. stations here. Um Um, And and another point about his his letter, he talks about how they asked for additional capital from the investors, and that's quite not an uncommon thing in these investments. People put in an initial amount, and they're not obliged to put in any more, but down the track... Um, the people running it come back to them and say, look, things aren't going so well, and the bank's knocking on the door, and we could fold here. That's worse than
1: a bad investment, isn't it, having to put more money into it. Yes,
0: but good money after bad, quite possibly. You know, you've all got to put in another, I don't know, 10000 or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, um, or the whole thing is going to collapse. And that is the kind of thing that can sometimes happen in these investments. Um, So I talked to the Financial Markets Authority about... Are these sort of property investments, and and some of the older ones, and I don't know how long ago John's one was set up. There's different ways they've been put together. In more recent years, they're either equity office or management managed investment schemes. Now, don't worry about that; that's all a bit confusing. the The key point here is that they have to issue what's called a product disclosure statement or a PDS at the beginning when they first start. It used to be called a prospectus and it sort of gives all the basic information about the investment and by law that has to include information on how you can get out of the investment Mm -hmm. and it also has to include a key risk section telling you how risky things are and one of the risks typically in this sort of investment will be it's not that easy to get out of it. Um, what I suggest John does is looks either on the website, if, if the if the property investment's got a website of its own, or if not, or it's not a good website, go onto a website called Disclose, D-I-S-C-L-O-S-E, government-run website, which has got a whole lot of information about a whole huge number of financial-type um, products and services, mm. and on there will be the documents, including the Product disclosure, disclosure Statement, or PDS, and that should be telling him how he might be able to get his money out. If And then he'll, he'll, he'll no doubt have to contact the firm itself, and if that's not working, he can go to the FMA. And a lot of people, the Financial Markets Authority, the FMA, Certainly, can't always get people's money back. Sometimes it will just come back to you and say, No, look, we don't even regulate that particular type of investment. But quite often they do. And they can, you know, at least m- maybe steer you in the right direction. It's worth a try. Um, I mean, another, just speaking more generally, quite a lot of investments have disputes resolution schemes. Okay. And if you can't get your money out, um, on the disclosed register, it'll tell whether they've got a dispute resolution scheme and who that is, and that's free to you to go there, and they can listen to your side of the story mm-hmm. and possibly help you. You know, none of these ways guarantee you'll get your money back. No, and but... it's
1: and it's really an investment that could have gone south has gone south. Really, yes. Doesn't really sound like they. It doesn't sound.
0: No, I mean one thought that struck me it. in reading his invest his his email is. Even if they can find a buyer, it's quite possible the buyers aren't going to want to pay very much for it because if, if there's no tenant there at the moment, there's no money coming out of it. It might be worth very little at the moment. Um, he might have to. He might be better off holding on in, in the hope that maybe they do get a tenant at some point. Um, it's look. It's hard to know. I'm advising here in in a bit of a you know in the dark really. But mm. um, moving on just quickly to to other types of investments like rental property. Yeah, we've just got sorry, um,
1: just got one or two minutes left.
0: Have we? Yes. Mm. Okay. So we better go quickly through here. Rental property is obviously one that is is not easy to get out of in a hurry. It it might be. If you're lucky and the market's booming, mm-hmm. you might be able to sell it straight away at a nice at a nice profit. But please be aware, and I think people around Auckland are getting more and more aware now, that if they want to sell it in particular, if they want to sell it not too low a price, mm. um they might it might take quite a long time to sell, and you really should be aware of that when you get into that sort of investment. Yeah, um, Bonds you can sell on a listed market, a bit like the share market, um, but it might be for less or more than what you paid for initially. Um, a couple of other just key points here are that... A very basic point that I've often made before is, is the importance of not being forced to sell an investment. So before you get into an investment, it's a really good idea to think through the worst-case scenario. If if you lose your income in some form, your job or some other form of income, would you manage, and if not, would you be forced to sell? And if that's a possibility, it's not a good idea to get into an investment because it's when people are forced to sell that very often they have to accept a much lower price than they wanted to. And what's more, if they've borrowed for the investment, such as getting a mortgage for a rental property, they can sometimes end up selling for less than the mortgage, and so they've got no property and a debt to the bank. So you've really got to think through all this stuff before you get into any of the inv- these investments. Look at the how to get out, how much it'll cost you to get out, the brokerage fees, the commissions, all of that. Um think think ahead a few steps before you get all starry. But don't let
1: that but don't let, let that put you off investing money
0: indeed yes people are either too scared or not scared enough and I'm talking to the not scared enough <laughs> uh-huh. ones yeah <laughs> right love yeah. it Mary Holm, thanks.
1: Pleasure, Jesse. You can listen to Mary's advice as a podcast by heading to the RNZ website and following your nose, head to the podcast's page. and um, She does a different topic every two weeks, so no matter what your financial situation or stage of life, she'll definitely have something for you.